When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Dan, and this is our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Today, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, and I take questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Of course, as I tell you all the time, if you want to get involved with Football Insider, get access to things like this and exclusive content on Cleveland.com slash Browns, a newsletter with exclusive content right to your inbox, and a chance to be part of our text subscription service. All you have to do is head to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner up at the top of the page, get all the information, and to get signed up. Here's our podcast everybody welcome to our tuesday edition of the orange and brown talk podcast i am dan lobby joined by mary Kay cabot mary Kay, how are you i'm doing great dan how you doing doing well and doug lay maurice joining us as well doug how are you great to be here okay we are uh, gonna let our texters in here our football insider subscribers we've got a whole bunch of questions that were sent to us we've got folks that want to jump on and ask us questions as well. So we are going to get going here the day after the Browns beat the Giants 20 to 6. So here's a question, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started. Uh, This Jets game is really interesting because the Jets all of a sudden maybe don't have the number one pick in their grasp. They're going to need some help uh, to get that number one pick. So from the uh, 513 area code, the next game is the Jets. They just beat the Rams. The Browns just got to 10 wins. How likely is it that the Browns get nonchalant looking to avenge their loss to the Steelers? It's the NFL, and now the Jets have nothing to lose with a win, which, again, feels like a weird thing to say, but that's where the Jets are right now. Um, I thought this was an interesting question because I think it gives us a chance to talk about this coaching staff and what we've seen from them and their approach this year. Um, and I would also argue that I do think the Jets still have something to lose because the Jaguars could certainly still screw this thing up for themselves. Uh, but are either of you concerned at all that the Browns could get caught looking ahead? No, no, <laughs> not at all. No offense. I don't think it's a good question. No offense. No, <laughs> they haven't. They have the longest playoff drought in the league. If they win, they're like practically locking up a playoff spot. If they lose, they might not make the playoffs. And by the way, just keep in mind, the Jets previously had been trying. It's not like the Jets are like, well, we were tanking for 14 games, but now we won. Now we'll... they stink. No, I, I, I do not like trap game discussions generally, but specifically, I really do not like this discussion. The Jets stink. And at whatever the Rams did, they should be ashamed that they lost that game. But Dan, as you said, it's like, okay, well, I don't know. Do you want the second pick? I I mean, so I I just, I'm not, I think I give 0% to this. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I'm in that camp as well. I just don't think there's anything to worry about uh, this game whatsoever. I mean, right now the Browns are at a point where we are talking about them being able to beat pretty much anybody in the NFL, except for maybe the Kansas city chiefs. 
and maybe the bills too. And we can probably talk about that even more throughout this podcast that, you know, the bills are a team that I think would give them a run for their money for sure. Um, but right now uh, they are, uh, they're hitting their stride. They are hitting their peak. They are getting healthy at the right time. They're built so strong through the lines. Uh, they have that running game. Uh, Baker has gotten extremely hot. And, you know, once again, you're getting Denzel back. You got Austin Hooper back. So they, they are, their timing is impeccable. And I am not worried about them losing to the Jets at all. Okay, so see, this is why I asked this question, and this is why I, I kind of highlighted it here. I think that says something about this football team. I think it says something about this coaching staff, uh, because I think we've seen in the past, and this happens to every NFL team, they show they happen to the Rams, right? They show up and they lose a football game that they absolutely have no business losing. To losing. Obviously, the Jets, like you said, Doug, they're a terrible football team. Players don't tank, or organizations tank. Players don't tank. It's too hard to ask players to do that in the NFL. It's not like in the NBA, but you know, I, it would shock me if like Kevin Stefanski and this coaching staff don't have the Browns ready to go on Sunday with a game plan that is just going to probably look a lot like it did Sunday night where they just show up and just efficiently take care of the jets and maybe they score more points. Maybe the deficit is bigger, whatever it is. I think it says something to me about this coaching staff and this team that I would be absolutely stunned if it was even close on, on Sunday. I just don't see this team being unprepared and unable to just go in and do whatever they want and not just because of who they're playing. Listen, the Colts lost to the Jags in the first game of the year, right? And the Colts are in a playoff fight and the Jags haven't won since. So we get it. It's a league of parity. We get it. But Dan, I got to say some of the stuff, I mean, at some point, for you to say, like, to express it that way, it's like, I, it's, I feel like that's still that scars of the old Browns, right? That, well, you used to be worried that the Browns would lose to a bad team. It's like, yeah, because the Browns were bad. I just don't know. Do this, I don't know. I mean, the Saints lost to the Eagles last week, and the Eagles aren't very good. It does happen. But when you're a winning team, I don't know that winning teams and their fans and people around them go around thinking, like, wow, I'm really impressed that, like, they didn't lose to a horrible team. <laughs> You know, like at some point, like, like you say, for you to say it says something about the Browns and this staff that like, you're not, wor I don't know what, like they're competent, that they're normal. I mean, this is how it's yes. supposed to be. But I mean, like at some point, that's not the threshold anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, you're supposed to beat the Jets every now and then. You don't beat them a hundred out of a hundred. Sometimes somebody jumps up and gets you, but man, nobody's expecting it. Nobody's walking around. And then nobody is particularly impressed with it. You just beat them. You just go beat them. And at some point they're just going to be, I mean, there's not going to be anything to talk about. And I talk about this all the time with Ohio state. Good, boring. Ohio state is good, boring all the time. When Ohio state goes and beats Rutgers, I don't think it says anything about Ohio state. I just think Rutgers stinks and Ohio state kicks their butt. At some point, that's where we might get with the Browns. It doesn't say much about them. They're just quite a bit better than the team they're playing three, four, five times a year. And that's just how it works. Okay. We had a couple questions about the defense and, and I want to get into this. And, and this is actually, I think this is maybe a slightly different angle than we talked about with the defense. Um, so here's what someone said. With the Browns getting Ronnie Harrison, Grant Delpit, and Greedy Williams back next season, go along with Denzel Ward. So the question is, do you think they'll upgrade the linebackers? But there was another question, too, that kind of was going along these lines. We've talked about the linebackers and how the Browns might approach it or whatever. The way I'm going to take this question is a little different. 
is this defense from a talent standpoint closer than maybe people think because they haven't had Grant Delpit. They haven't had Ronnie Harrison for much, you know, going back to the Jacksonville game. Uh, They haven't had Greedy Williams all year. Uh, They didn't have Miles Garrett for a stretch. They didn't have Denzel Ward until, you know, for a few games until this last week. Um, I I think a lot of people, and I've said this before, kind of look at this offseason and say you throw a bunch of resources at the defense, but are we not giving the talent on this defense enough credit because maybe those guys just aren't there right now? Yeah, I I would think so. I think that they are – closer than it might appear on paper right now because people were complaining. I even heard Colin Coward complaining about how they didn't do enough to build uh, the secondary and invest in the secondary. And that was a game in which not one of the four starters in the secondary played against the Ravens. But uh, so yeah, they, they do have the talent. Now the thing is, however, uh, they have to caution against uh, thinking that 100% Greedy Williams is going to be back as the starting cornerback and that Grant Delpit is going to come back hundred percent right away in August or September from this ruptured Achilles. You hope that he would, the chances are in the 70 percentile. Um, but you know, I, I still think that they're going to have to add to the defensive backfield. And I, I think that they need to add a little bit to their linebacking core. So I think you kind of have to add uh, an edge rusher, a linebacker and a good defensive back at least one of each of those. So I don't think there's any reason. I mean, it's based on my, I like what Mary Kay bases things on reporting. I base my things on Mary Kay's reporting. So I don't know, but I, why would anybody think anything about greedy Williams in the future? I, I, I mean, agree, I, I, I you got to move on and assume that greedy is, a, is a non-factor. And if, and if somehow he's back great, but you got to be prepared to not have him. So just very, very quickly playing this game, assuming, and I think Mary Kay, you've made that point a couple of times. I think it is so valuable because I think most of us would say Grant Telpitz hurt. He's back. He's fine. You can't go a hundred percent there either. You've been ex- on, on that, but let's, let's try to assume, okay, forget about greedy, everybody else healthy here. Are the, here are the defensive players that I would be sure are back next year that I am sure are good NFL starters. Grant Delpit, Denzel Ward, Ronnie Harrison, Miles Garrett, and I guess Sheldon Richardson, if he's right. Because I don't know, like, what's up with Vernon? What? I don't, right? I mean, I don't know exactly. He's played well. But none of the linebackers am I sure about. The other corner spot, Terrence Mitchell's played well. I think he's maybe better as your third guy, your top backup. So that's like five out of 11. Mm -hmm. So, like, if we're, I, if the question is, like, are we underestimating the defensive talent? No, (laughs) that's like half a defense you got to fill in. So it doesn't mean all the guys here are out the door, but I think a lot of the guys who are playing are better off as your top backup than a starter. And even if you get some of those guys healthy, there's going to be some guys moving in and out. Um, I think they have a lot of things that they're going to do on defense. That's going to look different a year from now. I think that's a really important point on Greedy Williams, because I don't feel like we know anything more about Greedy Williams today than we did in week one of his rookie year. Uh, you know, there's, I know he didn't grade out great on, on pro football focus. So that's part of it. There were some things that I kind of liked when I saw him and I certainly like his size and, and some of the ability he has, but I, I don't know what Greedy Williams is. I, I don't know if he's a guy you can put opposite Denzel Ward and say, Hey, we've got, you know, you got your two corners now for the next 
10 years. I, I don't know that that's what he's going to be yet. And so this is just sort of a lost year and it might just force the Browns to have to make a decision on, you know, whatever they get from him as a bonus moving forward. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this kind of uh, axillary nerve damage, uh, you never really know when it's going to come back. They're hoping that it'll come back, uh, but you cannot count on that. So that's definitely iffy. The other interesting thing is Mac Wilson was benched uh, this game. He was a healthy scratch. He was coming off of a horrible game against the Ravens. Uh, so you've got some guys that were fairly, well, he wasn't even that high of a pick, but you've got some guys that they, that, you know, were supposed to be starters this year uh, that, you know, that didn't necessarily pan out. And then you've got other guys that, that I think, will stick around. I think BJ Goodson has established himself as a good, at least a role player. He might not be a, every down linebacker next year, but th they found some, some pieces and parts that I think will survive. Okay. We've got a little bit of a quiet group here watching us do this podcast. If you guys want to ask your questions, hit that raise hand function, jump in the chat too. You can, you can do that as well. Uh, that raise hand uh, is right over when you click on participants, you'll, you'll get that option. So uh, if you want to jump on and ask a question, uh, go for it. Now, here's a question that just came in from Ray. Uh, does everyone agree the Browns are not likely to win a playoff game unless Miles Garrett is at 90% or better? Ray, I would actually disagree with that. I think it's just all about the matchup. I, I think if you can get, obviously you want Miles Garrett to be Miles Garrett, but if he's not, I I don't think that uh, prevents this game from, or this team from winning a playoff game, depending on, on who they get. I mean, to me, every playoff game is just going to be about the matchup. I think every playoff game is going to be about as long as they're not playing the chiefs. I got a shot. I don't know. Yeah, I know the bill. Yeah, no, I know I the bills are playing out of their mind. The bills are playing out of their mind. So, I mean, the bills are really tough right now, but I don't know. I mean, Clowney, like the Titans have Clowney. He's hurt. He's out. Right. I mean, I like, like, People are hurt this time of year to the point of does it increase the chances of the Browns winning by whatever percent? If you have a full healthy miles Garrett, totally agree. Like that's the defensive plan muck around. Don't let them have big plays and then tell miles to get a strip sack. Remember that plan from the beginning of the year. So I agree with that, but I think this offense is good enough. I think Stefanski has a plan that I think they have a shot to either a control the ball on offense and shorten the game like they did against the giants. Or if it goes the other way, now you're in a shootout. Now you're trying to win a game in the forties, like against the Ravens. And they didn't win that one, but they were right there, but they did win the one in Dallas. Right. I mean, they did win the one against the Bengals. So I, I let's remember, I mean, the, I, the big reminder of this is how many great, I mean, I'm not so sure they're not as good as everybody in the NFC. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I get, I get it. Saints are good. I get it. But are you sure the Browns couldn't hang? So let's not give the rest of the league too much respect. That's a, that's just my advice on that. In terms of, of Miles Garrett, in the beginning of the season, when Baker Mayfield was coming up the learning curve and it was taking its good old time for that to happen, when that was the case, you really absolutely 100% needed Miles to get in there and punch the ball out away from, uh, you know, sack fumble that other quarterback or, or so otherwise create that turnover and get the offense, the ball back uh, in, you know, deep in the opponent's territory so they could get some points on the board. But that's not the situation that this team is in now. The offense has joined the party in a big way, in a huge way. And they are a, a major force to be reckoned with. And now they don't have to rely on 
takeaways from their defense to win a football game. They can rely on the fact that they can score almost at will on, on some really good defenses. Now they haven't played, you know, that all the top five defenses in the NFL, like Patrick Mahomes has had to do this year, but they've played some good defenses. They played the Ravens defense. Uh, they played some, they put some points up on some decent and good defenses. And so now, you know, you can absorb miles, not being a hundred percent. And we have seen that because he missed two games and he hasn't been himself in the next three. So for the last five games, He's been a shell of his former self, and they are still win-win-winning. You know what I loved about Sunday night's game, after I gave it some more thought, is they controlled the clock in that game, and they controlled the tempo and the pace, and Nick Chubb carried the ball 15 times. Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt carried it seven. Dearness Johnson carried it four. Right. In the past, we've seen this team kind of control the clock and control the tempo and control the game on the ground. And I think they showed Sunday night. We can do that if we're throwing the football too. Um, so I, I think that I think that was a very telling game uh, for this football team. And, and I, I, I listen. I want to see this team go against the Bills. I want to see this team go against the Chiefs. I want to see how they approach those games and how Kevin Stefanski. I'm curious if Kevin Stefanski would go against the Chiefs and say, "We're not going to try and control the ball. We're just going to try and score 45 points and see what happens." I wouldn't do that. I'm really curious. I would advise against that, Kevin. I would control it. <laughs> I, I would too, but who knows? And I think, I think they will. I think they will try to go for those long 10-play drives, those 12-play drives, because you – I mean, if, if you're going to have a chance against Andy Reid and Patrick, you're going to need to keep them the heck off the field as much as you possibly can because as we've all seen this year, you can be down by 20, you can be down by 25, and you are not safe. Uh, so, I mean, or you, you know, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, I think they would have to play keep away. I really do. But to the right. specific point of, the, of like the first playoff game, if they wind up as the top wild card, which still seems quite possible, they're going to play the worst division winner, which is either going to be Tennessee or Indianapolis. And they've beaten both of them. So like, that's like, that's just, that's just where they are. Or by the way, after the Steelers lose to the Bengals on Monday night, Uh-oh. then you've cracked open the door for the Browns to win the division. So, you know, now all of a sudden the Browns are the three or four seed. And now maybe they're getting that. Yeah. I, I said it. I said it <laughs> Pittsburgh. Are we going to have to revisit our AFC North versus Kansas city chiefs debate? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that because we've got three hands raised and I want to get to them. We're going to start uh, with Terry who's had his hand raised the longest here. So Terry, once you unmute, you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, my question is just a kind of a repeat of the one I asked after the home Cincinnati game, where we started off by kicking off short and having the ball run back to the 50. And uh, I just wondered if there's any analytics on how often you keep the team short of the 25 when you try to do that, because it doesn't always work out very well when we try it. Well, I always have gotten the impression from Mike Prefer that he is a guy that wants to kick and cover, um, but it hasn't exactly worked this year. 
So I don't know. I, to me, if you can kick it out of the end zone, kick it out of the end zone and, and make them start at the 25. But um, I, I think Mike Prefer, and I don't know if this is also a Kevin Stefanski philosophy too. I would imagine the head coach would have some say in it. Uh, but I, I do think there are some, some kick and cover instincts in, in Mike Prefer because we've kind of seen it here over the two years he's been here. Didn't work Sunday night to start the game. Nope. Amazing to start with a 48-yard kickoff return and end up with no points uh, off of that. Yeah, that was interesting. Is Mike Prefer good, by the way? Is Mike Prefer good? He was out. Everybody loved him when he got here. Is he actually good at this? His, I don't want to say star, but I'll, I'll say it, I guess. His star has fallen a little bit this year. I think last year he kind of came in and turned around a really bad special teams unit, and this year it's been kind of the opposite. Yeah, it, it's been a little bit challenged. I mean, there, there's, there's no question about it. Um, you know, I mean, they're not really breaking the long returns. You got now you got Cody Parkey going in the tank a little bit. Uh, yeah, it, it hasn't been exactly what you would want it to be. Now, by the way, when your linebackers aren't very good and when your safeties are hurt and your backup safeties become your starting safeties and all that stuff, when your start when your backup receivers become your starting receivers, like all that kind of stuff has an effect on special teams. Right. So, you know, sometimes it's like Anderson Dejo should probably be the star of the Browns special team unit. Instead, he's the much maligned starting safety. <laughs> so there is a trickle-down effect sometimes when you stack injuries. But that also might mean kick it in the end zone and don't ask your backup special teamers to cover and give up a return to midfield. R Rory says in the chat he's better than Amos, which not a very high bar there, Rory. <laughs> I've, I've got to tell you. Uh, that's why Mike Prefer is here, uh, mostly because of Amos. Uh, Bud has had his hand raised here for a little while, so we will go to Bud. Once you hit unmute, you can go ahead. Hey. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, first, just a little comment from last time we talked, uh, Doug. Uh, so I, I guess uh, Lamar Jackson threw for 22 times, 243 yards and three touchdowns, and only ran for 35 yards. Dobbins, Dobbins actually ran for more. So I guess he is versatile enough to not always run. Agree. Correct. Well oh, okay. stated. Well stated. I stand corrected. But, uh, of course, it's nice to play Jacksonville. But uh, the uh, I just wanted your all feelings. Is Ed Hockley have something against us? Did, didn't that player hit his helmet to Landry? Didn't he tap his? Did you guys talk about that yet? Uh, oh, are you talking about the, uh, the the taunting flag? Right. I didn't get that because it seemed like the, the the New York player sort of tapped his head his helmet to Landry or yeah, is it I, I went back and rewatched that and you know as I've said before I don't love talking about officiating I went back and rewatched that play I feel like well I mean let's be honest Landry has a little bit of a reputation with stuff mm -hmm. like that and yeah. so he's not always going to get the benefit of the doubt I, I I'm probably with Jarvis on that he probably didn't necessarily merit a flag there I don't know what he said that's always kind of part of this as well oh, okay um but yeah I, I you know i i just think jarvis is always going to have to deal with the fact that he's kind of got this this reputation of taunting flags and so there might be a little bit of a quick pull on the on that yellow laundry when it's time when he's turns around and barks at somebody 
Okay. It felt like maybe the ref didn't quite have the vibe of what was happening there. It felt like maybe it, I didn't, it didn't feel like it was Jarvis at somebody. It felt like it was kind of like two dudes doing a little chatter. And I didn't think anyone was particularly taunted necessarily, but I yeah. think dad makes a good point. Right. Okay. Uh, let's go to Gary. Who's had his hand raised here for a little while. Gary wants you. Uh, oh, I, I hit the wrong button, Gary. Can you raise your hand again for me so I can find you? Uh, until we do that, we'll go to, uh, to Peter. I'm going to, Oh, Gary just did it. So we'll go to Gary first and then we'll go to Peter. So once you, uh, unmute, you can go ahead. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Hi. Um, so with Chris, Chris Hubbard going down, it looked like a pretty bad injury. Who else do we have as cover other than Kendall lamb? And one more question. Was there any evidence of Freddie wearing a funny t-shirt, maybe like it's not my fault or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't notice any uh, funny Freddie clothes. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't notice that. But as far as um, Chris Hubbard going down, that, that that's a, a horrible shame after uh, he was subbing for Wyatt Teller, who uh, now they're just basically hoping to get him back for the playoffs. I'll be surprised if he makes it back before that because I believe it's the dreaded high ankle sprain. He needs a little bit of time. So Chris Hubbard out for, um, it is torn ligaments, dislocated kneecap, surgery set for probably Wednesday. Uh, so they've got Nick Harris that can start in there again. Uh, they've also got Michael Dunn. So I think they'll take a look at it this week and, and decide if they want to uh, stick with Nick. And I think Nick made a, a pretty good case for himself, uh, but they also have Michael that can step in there. But I guess part of the point is, if something happens to Batonio, Treader, or Nick Harris, are they absolutely fried now? Because no offense to me, but who's who's the other guy? Michael who? Michael like, they're at Yeah. He's basically a practice squad guy right now. But they're, I mean, so when you have, they have two interior line injuries. So if they get a third, if, if you believe Nick Harris is okay, they're on the edge of the next injury now requires them to put in a person who probably should not be participating in an NFL game. Is that correct? They're getting there. <laughs> yeah, they're getting there. They're into their depth. They're into their depth, as we say. You know, the, the good news is, and, you know, anything can happen with offensive linemen. We've, we've seen that. But the good news is, is Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader, knock on wood here, are – two of the most durable linemen in, in football. Uh, they, they really just don't miss snaps. Now, if something crazy were to happen, they get rolled up on and it's something unavoidable, then then you're in trouble. But um, though, Tyson Tyson is telling me not to say that. I'm sorry, I, sh I shouldn't have or said that. Or if, if Dan decides to do a feature story on either <laughs> one of them, then they're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> well, I, I got Joel a couple training camps ago, so I, th I think he's <laughs> Dan, I have a great feature story idea for you. And everyone knows this is the Dan Lobby feature story jinx. <laughs> that when Dan writes about you, something bad is going to happen to you. It's this underdog story of a, of a guy who was really doubted and has proven the doubters wrong. It's right up your alley. It's a little guy named Josh Allen. If you want to try that one and, and see how it goes. I, I, I thought you were going to pitch me on uh, the, the guy whose dad was a baseball player and he went to Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury didn't believe it. Yeah, no. 
No, got to take care. Of, take care of Josh Allen first, and then you can <laughs> jinx Mahomes. We'll just roll through people. All right, now we will go over to uh, to Peter, who has been waiting patiently. Uh, once you're unmuted, there, Peter, you can go ahead and uh, fire away. Got it. Thanks. Well, first of all, Mary Kay, awesome background. You're you're putting the boys to shame there, big time. <laughs> oh well, thank you. And it's you don't real. like my blue wall? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's real. Not not only the background, but the tree. It's uh... no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> hey, I, could could you guys talk a little bit about Joe Woods? Um, I, specific question about bringing pressure on the quarterback, and I don't know if it's philosophy or personnel. And when you've got Miles Garrett at full strength, you can get away with rushing four guys. But it seems like. And maybe it's just anecdotal. Maybe I'm missing the point, but it seems like there are a lot of times when we're there are chances to bring some pressure, uh, especially against a guy like Colt McCoy and disrupt him a little bit. And, uh, and, and, and the Browns aren't bringing many blitzes and, and like there were a couple late in the game that Colt actually beat us on a couple of times, but am, am I, am I wrong about that? Or is that a philosophical thing for woods or is it just based on the fact that so much of the secondary is hurt? They can't afford to bring pressure and get beat on the back end. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I, I, oh, I do, yeah, I was going to say, I, I do, I do think that uh, the issues in the secondary are, have been a factor with that a little bit, but when I look at the, you know, the end of that game, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, sometimes they were, you know, they're going to back off a little bit. I don't think that they were too worried about, uh, Colt being able to score points on them. They had already demonstrated that they, they just couldn't do that. I think they felt they had the game well in hand. Why I take chances like that. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, when you, when you hold them out of the end zone and they're only scoring a total of six points in the game, I, I don't have a, a whole lot of problem with, with the fact that he kind of backed off and went a little prevent there. It's really hard for me to kind of get a read on, like evaluating Joe Woods this year. I, th I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. It's just really hard for me to kind of figure out how much is talent, how much is scheme. I, I, I just don't know. And, and I think Joe Woods has had some games where he's done a really nice job. I'll say this, when it comes to blitzing, when you don't have, you know, I think Grant Delpit would have been a guy that would have attacked a lot in the backfield. Ronnie Harrison was a guy that attacked a lot in the backfield. I, I just don't know if you have the guys that you're going to send on blitzes right now. Yeah. Uh, at least from the secondary. And we, you know, we've talked about the linebacking core. Um, yeah. I mean, Mac Wilson just got benched. So, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to figure a lot of that stuff out still in, in that, that second level. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bud, are, Bud, did you have another question or was your hand just raised? I think he's saying no, no, no other question from, from Bud. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, to this question. Who wants to talk a little bit about Odell Beckham Jr.? This is actually a really interesting question because I think a lot of people are making the assumption that, oh, Baker's been playing great since the Cincinnati game. Maybe there's, there's a cause there um, that goes to Odell. But this question from uh, Joe in Southport, North Carolina, he's making the point that he actually thinks it's not necessarily Odell. He thinks the coaching and him getting more comfortable with the scheme uh, is the main reason why Baker is playing better and better every week. He finally has top-notch coaching. It will be fun to watch how far this can go. It'll be interesting how dangerous the Browns may be once Odell comes back. So is Joe 
onto something here or are the people who are saying that maybe it's because Odell isn't here onto something? You know what? I think he's onto something. I really think that he's onto something. First of all, you know how we talk about how one game can make the difference of whether or not you're on the outside looking in right now. If Odell hadn't won single-handedly won the Dallas game for them, they would be on the outside looking in right now. They would not have one of the top seven seeds uh, in the AFC. So Odell is, in my opinion, uh, a major reason why they are uh, almost ready to clinch a playoff spot next week if a few other things go their way. So, uh, and the other thing to watch how Baker has taken ownership now. And and I do think, I, I do firmly believe that he knew that he was at a crossroads and that he knew that, that he had to get this turned around and he's done that. Uh, I think that, I think Odell would be part of that. I think Odell would be flourishing in this system. I think, I think the coaches would have known how to get him. They were already trying to get him involved, uh, but I think it would have been working now just the same way everything else is with this offense, it's in sync. It's come together for everybody. And Odell would have been a part of that. And if you really do want to try to beat a team, you know, teams like the bills, teams like the chiefs, and you want to get to the super bowl, which is the goal. It certainly cannot hurt you to have a generational talent like Odell Beckham jr. On your football team that would have just taken it up to an entirely new level. Uh, once he gets to this point in a season. So I think our guy is on to something there. I, I think Odell would have joined the party in a huge way. I'm going to agree with Mary Kay. I'm going to try to say it quickly like this. I think if you are a quarterback who is not comfortable and not confident, a number one all pro receiver can be a hindrance because you don't feel good about yourself. And now you're feeling like I'm not playing very well. He's going to be mad at me. I better force him the ball and it feeds on itself in a negative way. If you are a comfortable and confident quarterback, then having a number one all pro receiver is a help because now you feel good about yourself. And now you think I don't have to force him the ball. You think I, I can get him the ball. What a great weapon for me to have. So I think, I agree with Mary Kay. I think Baker getting better is not because Odell left. I think it is because he got more comfortable with Kevin Stefanski. And this was always going to happen. It's a process. It's not a coincidence. It's not like Baker was going to have a a good first half and a bad second half this year. It was all about progress. So this is part of the progress. But I think it's just weird timing with Odell. But I think Baker is now the kind of quarterback that could utilize Odell, whereas uncomfortable lack of confident Baker, I do think was maybe thrown off by trying to force it to him. I just think it's been coincidental, weird timing, but I agree if he were here now, it would be good. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, Kev, I think part of it too is Kevin Stefanski is also, this has been a learning process for him as good as he was when the season started, right. As good as he's been from the jump, we're, we're really starting to see him learn how to use guys. And I think Jarvis Landry's an example of this. Um, I, I think the way he continues to use Jarvis and expand that role, we're seeing more and more that Kevin Stefanski is kind of learning about these guys. And I think he certainly would have learned more and more over time uh, how, how to use Odell Beckham Jr. Tyson says he'd love to see this Baker Mayfield uh, OBJ. Gary says it's both. Rory agrees with Tyson. So uh and, and Shannon says he thinks OBJ would need that same time and growth Baker is showing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where it's probably e- really easy to say, oh, weird, Baker got better when Odell Beckham got hurt. But the reality is 
that, that progression was kind of starting to happen anyway. And I, I kind of agree with our texter there uh, that, that it might be both. One more Baker question here, because um, obviously we talk about all the, the pieces around Baker and everything he's got going, going for him. And the question is, do you ever believe Baker will get credit for maturing into a truly good and potential to be a great quarterback? I think the answer to that is yes. I think he's starting to get that credit now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a key word in there and it's mature. And I think we're seeing, in the, you know, 2018 Baker had all that swagger and, you know, was doing the stare downs and all of that stuff, which was fine. I mean, fans loved that stuff. They got into it, but I do think what's a little different about Baker now is that we are seeing a little more mature Baker Mayfield in a lot of ways. Um, he's still got that personality and he's still got that swagger to him, but you know, I, I think there's a little more maturity to his game. Is, is that, is that fair to say? Just say it. Just say he didn't grab his crotch this year, Dan. That's what you mean by it. Sure. Y- you know what? Here, here's what I think. And you know what? You know what the funny thing about that is, is that's a big reason why he got drafted here. But yeah, I also think some of that might have been holding him back a little bit in his development. You know, I, I think that, that this is by design. I think he listened to the coaches when they asked him to tone that stuff down. But when you have a year like he had last year, when you end up as the second lowest rated quarterback in the NFL at a 78.8, that that humbles you. And so he got knocked down a peg and, you know, and I, and I think this year it has been a process of rebuilding some of the, the confidence and the psyche that was was lost last year. Last year was really hard on him. It was really, really hard on him. And I think the beginning of this year, I could see some of the doubts. I could see it. I could see it in his eyes. And it took a while. And, and I, I think there were times where he wondered even about himself again. And all of that's gone now. But and the coaches have done a tremendous job of helping instill that confidence in him and making him feel good about himself and making sure that he had everything to do that he could feel good about doing. But now I think what he will do is add back in a little bit of the Baker swagger, a little bit of the Baker danger when he's earned it enough. And I don't think he feels that he's there yet. I think he wants to get to the playoffs. I think he wants to win some playoff games. I think he wants to prove it on the big stage uh, that, that he is a, a really, really good quarterback that can take this team uh, to playoffs, playoff games and win it. And then when he does that, then I think you'll see uh, a little bit more of that fun stuff come back. Maybe not quite to the degree that it was, but I think it's going to come back because that's a very big part of who he is. And you don't want him to lose all of that. You don't. Cleveland fans love some of that stuff. Browns fans love that stuff. 20-year-olds love that stuff. So you don't want to lose all of it. I just think he's earning it back. That's what I, I – some of this discussion sometimes, I'm not – I don't know what we mean. Because I know, Mary Kay, you asked him a couple games ago about, like, getting his Oklahoma swagger back, right? That it felt like, okay, well, he didn't have it, but now he's getting it back, and that's good. And that's what you're saying that he, that's like a good sign that he's getting it back. But Dan, you're saying he's more mature because he doesn't do that stuff as much. So sometimes I don't know what, like we want like 81% swag, but 93% swag is too much, but 65% swag is not enough. Like, listen, if he went six and 10 last year and he was like six and 10, baby, 
finger guns. I'm Baker Mayfield. Grab my crotch. Six and ten. We would be like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Of course he wasn't going to do that. He didn't play good. But to Mary Case's point, he is who he is. So I don't know. I like I, I think he is who he is. And the better he plays, the more he'll be of who he is. And when he's not playing very well, he's less of who he is. But in the end, him playing well and being himself is probably, as Mary Kay said, the best of both worlds for everybody. And I don't know if that's maturity, but I mean, of course, we're all different when we're 47 than when we're 21. I mean, I'm not, but most people are. So I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't think it's maturity. I think it's maybe humbled by losing. Yes. And then I'm not going to, I'm yeah. not going to talk the talk again until I walk the walk. Exactly. And that's, he's that's starting right. to walk it again. Yes, absolutely. But I, let me, do you think we'll ever see the Baker Mayfield that, you know, goes after Colin Coward on Twitter? We or, might. Do you think we'll ever see that Baker again? We, we might. Now I, I actually do. I really do believe that, that he is trying to listen to what they want him to do. They want, they don't want that stuff to be, uh, they want him to be team protecting. So if that's going to take away from the team, they, they don't want him to do things like that. But I think that even they recognize that some of the dangerous Baker is, is good for them. It's good for the players. It's good for the locker room. It's good for the stadium. I mean, look, when you see him go high stepping down the field and you see him, you know, rolling into the, into the end zone and making like the paparazzi, when you see him doing all those things, like I want to see him, shotgun a beer again I, I would like to see that again I think that's fun and I think it, I think the city loves it and and I I think you know young people love it young people absolutely love it and I think that's good because we we do have that we you know you want to bring in the next generation of Browns fan and he attracts that right I, I think I, I I just I guess there's a there's a differentiating factor there, right? Because you you've said team focused, right? And all, all almost all those examples you gave were like team focused examples, like yeah. high stepping down the field chasing Nick Chubb and right. rolling in. Uh, you know, those were making it about the team and the Browns, and you know, turning turning around and staring down a coach the whole way down the field. That's kind of making it about Baker, and I think he's put a lot of that stuff to the side a, a little yeah. bit. Maybe it comes back. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I think as a player, we're seeing a, a more mature player who understands how to take care of the football and pick his spots a little bit too. I, I think that's really where we're seeing the growth uh, as well, which again, maybe that comes from going six and 10 and throwing a ton of interceptions, you know, that yeah. may end up being one of the most important seasons of Baker's career. If he goes mm-hmm. on to be the, the kind of quarterback he can be, we're going to do one more here. We're going to let Tyson bring us home. Uh, Tyson, once you uh, unmute, you can go ahead and ask your question. Hey, thank you. Um, this may be a little bit uncomfortable, but uh, oh. <laughs> well, it's not that bad. <laughs> but um, I, I'm afraid, I don't know if Miles will be 100% the rest of the year. Has there been any thought of maybe him being on a pitch count, more of a situational pass rusher, so we get the best of Miles instead of him pay- playing 70, 80% of the snaps? You know what? We t- kind of brought that up today. Uh, the, Kevin Stefanski was asked that today, and they are looking at it closely because I think what's happening right now, and I don't think anybody could know that this was going to happen, but it's almost like, and I, I'm not gonna, going to diagnose him here, 
but it's almost like, you know, when you have an exercise induced asthma and you, you know, you really start getting into a coughing fit when you're out there running around. And, you know, he, that, that's one of the, you know, I'm not saying that he has asthma. I'm saying that it's asthma-like. It's that coughing syndromes that's happening to him when he exerts a lot of energy. So I do think that, uh, I do think that they're, they're going to have to look at it. They're going to have to look mm -hmm. at it and they're going to have to make sure that they can get him through a game because he only missed, I think, a total of five snaps in this game. So he played 91% of the snaps and they might just need to back him off. And that's not even that many snaps, um, but they might need to kind of back him off a little tiny bit and see how it goes over the next few games. I mean, the great thing about a pass rusher is it only takes one play. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you can ask any offensive lineman that an offensive lineman can be play great for an entire game, get beat one time and it changes the whole tenor of a game. So that's, that would be the, the good news if they did decide to go with miles on a pitch count, give him, give him enough pitches and, and he'll find a way to make that one play. So I, I don't know that that would be, all that terrible, especially with, if you have a guy like Olivia Vernon, who's been playing really well here in the second half of the season. Yeah. Okay. I think that's going to do it here for our, uh, our, this edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast. Of course, everybody here on this zoom is already a football insider subscriber, but if you want to join them, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns and click on the blue banner at the top of the page and get subscribed to the orange and Brown talk podcast, wherever you get your podcasts so that you can listen to our seven podcasts a week. Although this week will be just a little bit thinner uh, because of the holiday, but you'll still get plenty of content from us right there on your phone. If you're subscribed. So uh, thank you to all of our football insider subscribers, Mr. Doug and Mary Cam. Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.